Welcome to Through the Glass Recovery Podcast, where we believe that connection is the opposite of addiction, vulnerability is the antidote to shame, and that recovery isn't just rewarding, but also a lot of fun. We're your hosts, Julie and Steve. Listen as we get together with friends to shed light on the hard things, talk about the other side of addiction, and how we create a life so full there's no space left for alcohol. In this episode, you'll hear about what changes we've experienced in our friendships since getting sober. Once we take alcohol out of the equation, we begin to see that some friendships fall by the wayside, while others really begin to thrive. We talk about making new friends, about accepting the loss of old friends, and we talk about how we've become more kind and present in our friendships. Throughout the discussion, we prove that sobriety is the pathway to authentic friendships. Before we get into the episode, if you enjoy the content here, we just ask that you take a minute to rate us or leave a review on your favorite podcast platform, because it really does make a big difference in how many people get to hear the episode. We are here tonight with our friends, Debs, Ben, and Brian. I'm going to have you guys all introduce yourselves first really quick. Debs, do you want to go first? Yeah. Hi, listeners. I'm Debs. I am... I've just turned 60 last week. I am in Melbourne, Australia, and I have been sober for 22 and a half months. So January will be two years. And I, my background was in sort of sales and management, and I think we can all agree it was uh, kind of stressful in a very high drinking environment. I think I'll just leave it at that for now. Yeah, that'd be a hard one to to break out of. And happy birthday, too, by the way. Thank you. Happy birthday, um, Debs. Don't, Steve. We've, we've done the singing. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. Um, so next we'll have Ben introduce yourself. My name is Ben. I'm 44 years old and live in New Hampshire. I'm currently at 403 days sober. And got a wife, couple of boys, and uh, yeah, that's it. Yeah. Awesome. Thank Thanks you for, for being having. here. Thanks for being here, Ben. And then Brian, who's back for the fourth time, I believe. We're fine. Yes. Thanks for having me back. Uh, my name is Brian. I am 131 days sober. This is my fourth time trying to get sober. I've been on this journey since 2015. I live in northern New Jersey. I have two young daughters, and I'll keep it short and sweet, too. Awesome. Cool. Well, thanks for being back. It's really nice to see you all. Thanks for being back, Brian. For a topic tonight, as we move further along in our recovery, we see the skills we learn begin to filter out into our relationships. Sometimes this affects our relationships in a positive way, and sometimes it makes them more difficult to navigate. Tonight, we're going to focus on friendships. How have your friendships changed throughout your recovery? What are some of the benefits and what are some of the difficulties that you've experienced? Oh, I can start with this one. And the reason I can is um, for your listeners, you guys know, but the listeners don't. I relocated from America back to Australia and I'd been in America 20 odd years. And even though I traveled back and forth, my friends have never experienced me drinking. I mean, sorry, they've experienced me drinking a lot. I mean, sober. <laughs> I've got drinking on the brain because we're talking about it. But they've never seen me sober in my entire life. 
And I thought, this is going to be interesting. It's been varied. My closest friends to me have been extremely supportive. Um, in fact, one, my very best friend, her son went up to her and said, hey, mum, has only Debbie changed? <laughs> and it's really interesting their perspective of you because we all, my first thought when I was going to give up drinking was, oh, God, I'm going to be so boring. What am I going to do? You know, it was like I needed the drink because I thought that that made me vivacious and upbeat and social and all the things that we think alcohol does and it just completely lies to us. And she said, no, she's exactly the same. She's just a better version, which was really nice because she's known me since she was 14. My other girlfriend turned around and said that I'm not a people pleaser anymore, just out of the blue, the first time she'd seen me. And that was re- I said to her, that was really interesting that you picked that up. And I had another girlfriend who I saw when I first arrived back home who she's sort of on the outer circle of my friendships, but she was always someone that I would sit, drink, do long lunches and talk with and basically drink a lot with. I went to lunch with her and when I was telling her about doing podcasts and, you know, all the things that we do with Zooms and everything, she said to me to get a life, (laughs) which was really interesting. And she cut the lunch. I think she lasted an hour and 10 minutes and normally we would be there four hours. So, you know, it's varied. But the ones that mattered to me that were closest were definitely so supportive and said, good on you. And as a result... My best friend's husband is now 80 days sober. He rang me and said, I have an issue. Can you help me? So you never know, right? It's been a missed bag, but hey, I'll take it. That's awesome. That is really cool, especially about her husband. That's just really neat. That's really inspiring. You never know who needs to hear your story. It's so cool. Yeah. And when you get to the stage where you own it, there is no shame in this game because you become such a better version of yourself. I know that I am a better friend. They can trust me more. Even my sister, you know, there was a point where I've said it before where she wouldn't have allowed her young children to get in the car with me. Now that's not an issue. And the greatest thing, as I said, has come out of sobriety is I can trust myself as well, you know. And after a while, you don't miss it because you don't want to go back to feeling all the negatives, the anxiety, especially the anxiety that, that alcohol brought into my life in addition to work. It was almost debilitating, you know. But I know now that I am a better listener than I was before. And I'm a lot different in some aspects. But I really realise I'm not as extrovert as I thought I was, you know. I'm quite happy to sit back. And then there's certain people, I've been to a lot of social functions lately, where I sit back and just go, oh, my God, you're full of shit. And I think to myself, how hypocritical, because I think that used to be you. You see a lot of what you used to be like in others. And they're not attractive traits. They're just not. It's interesting, isn't it? When you see that and you're like, oh crap, that was me. And then, and then you realize how unattractive it actually is too. You're just like, whoa, you see all of the habits and all of the same mannerisms and the same, uh, you could pack that all in one night and you're like, wow. I, that was that that was me, you know, five years ago, and you can see it unfold. You could literally see it unfold. Yeah. The whole the yeah. attitude change, the repetition, the you know, it's just it makes you glad yeah. that you're not there anymore. <laughs> yeah, you know, and there's the pretense around it too. You know, we always people have said, "Oh, I feel like I'm imposter syndrome." I never did. I just thought it was just, especially here in Australia, it was just part of growing up. But I didn't need the enhancement. That's the whole thing. That just put me into the, 
kind of revolting stage, to be honest with you. And there are no, with people that are drinking now, and if you're in denial, look, that's fine. You know, some people I know will never wake up. A lot of people have defended themselves and said, well, I don't have a problem straight away. And I haven't even said anything except that I'm not drinking. Mm-hmm. But some people still think they can moderate. When I think we can all look at some of our friends and say, you can't, but that's not up to me to tell you. You know, I can actually see now where exactly all my friends are in their in their level of drinking. And the majority of them do have an issue. But as like with myself, it took me a long time to actually get to the yeah. point of saying, you know what, enough's enough. It's I'm tired of being sick and tired. Yeah. It's your own journey. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I think you went, you talked about worrying about if you were going to be fun or what that would be like when you quit. And I know for me, I used it to be more outgoing and to be more fun and all of those things that I felt like I needed to be. And I've just started realizing I don't have as much fun with some people now because the fun was me being drunk and being the entertainment. And now that I don't do that, it's just not as much fun to spend time with some of those people And at first I thought that meant I'm really actually not very much fun with that alcohol. But then I realized a bunch of us sober folks met up in Moab and I was fun. (laughs) I had a blast. Everybody had a blast. I feel like I was a fun person to be around. I actually verified that with a couple people because I'm so self-conscious about it. But it turns out I am kind of fun to be around. I just have to be around the right friends. I have to be around real friends that, that I can actually interact with. And I thought that was really interesting. I'm not as boring as I thought I was. Debs, first of all, you're, you're very much an extrovert. So I don't know what you were talking about there. I don't care what you say, but I will, uh, (laughs) that's yeah. Maybe you were more so when you were anyway. Um, I'll go. I, so I, uh, everyone that I've told, I, I'm not, I've not like come out and, and announced it to the world, like on social media or anything like that, that, you know, it being that I'm sober, but I'm also not being shy about telling people, especially if it comes up organically. So, so I live in Northern New Jersey, but I work, my, my employer is based in the Washington DC area in Northern Virginia. And I travel back there periodically and, and I've, I lived there for like 14 years uh, after college so a lot of friends down there still and when I go back there's certainly opportunity of people oh you're back in town and inevitably it's like let's you know go get a drink or happy hour or you know even going out for dinner but there's drinks involved um so when that comes up I'll certainly say you know I mean if it's dinner that's one depending on what what it is I'll say either I sure but you know I'm not going to drink and you know that'll come up or I'll just say no thanks if it's a happy hour or something I just don't want to you know put myself in that position everyone's been very supportive so I guess that's you know long long-winded way of saying that to a, to a person everyone's been very cool no one's I I know there are stories out there about pressure to start you know when are we going to get the old you know so-and-so back or whatever I haven't experienced that yet and hopefully I don't so so that's that's very cool now, I've always had a very small circle of friends, though. I, I don't I've, I've never been a super social person, so I'm maybe not as exposed. And in terms of those, those situations coming up, because I just I don't I don't I don't have a big group of friends. But 
I do agree with what you just said, Julie. I, it, even though my my group of friends might be small, when when I go back to Virginia, I find there there are certain people that I just don't I could connect with and hang out with when I'm down there for a week or whatever, and I don't. And there are people up here in New Jersey that I really haven't even gotten to try to know. And it's because, whereas in the past I would have, but it, I guess where I'm, where I'm going with this is a lot of, and this feels kind of cliche to say, um, I, I, I I feel like, um, but I, a lot of the people that I hung out with, you know, if it wasn't all about drinking, drinking was certainly very prominent, you know, part of the relationship and probably something that was always there, whether we were getting together just to drink or whether we were getting together to, you know, watch watch the football game or or play soft but whatever but there was you know alcohol was always i mean you know, almost always involved so i think this you know very much what you said julie like i find like i i need to find a new at 46 years old a new group of friends they weren't bad friends before but just that one big prominent commonality was drinking and now without that it, it is a little awkward and um so yeah, I think I think finding a new group of friends is is kind of where I'm at right now, and I am I'm, it's a, it's very much virtual, but I am finding it. Um, I'm finding it online and, and with with the sober community connections that I've been making. It's like impossible though at our age to yeah. just go out and find new friends. Like I'm so envious of people like Debs who have that long-standing friendship or, or in your case like a circle of friends that you've had since you were teenagers you guys have been through everything together and Steve and I have talked about that too I moved around a lot during those teenage formative years so those friendships just never really hung on and then I mean since then I've moved a few more times and it is really hard just to make friends where do most people find friends I mean these days at our age, most people find friends like at the bar, which just isn't an option. There's not like playgroups for 40 year olds, which is a shame because I feel like that could be a lot of fun, but um, <laughs> there's just no way to, to meet people. It's a really hard part of this, especially when you start, I guess, finding your true self and figuring out what kind of friends you really need. You can't just like go out and pick some up. It's, it's really hard to do. Yeah. There's a lot of putting yourself out there and just seeing what kind of sticks when you're kind of in our, our situation where, you know, you've, you've traveled around a fair amount. So have I, like you said, in the teens and formative years where bounced around enough that insecure enough too, where actually making that authentic friendship that hang, that, that hangs around. I know what you're saying, Brian, about, you know, the friendships that were essentially alcohol-based. And as soon as the alcohol disappears, so does the friendship. They almost went hand in hand. And then the connection you know, there is just... It's like, sad. Oh, like, um, I'll be quick. But I, the one of the guys that I was best friends with in, in Virginia, like what, he came to my wedding. I went to his wedding. I worked, we worked together and he left my company in June, 2015 was his last day. And it was at his happy hour that I got so drunk and had... That that it was his going away party that that was like the you know the the catalyst for me you know what what I did there it was the catalyst for me getting sober the first time I've not seen that's not true I saw him once at a in a professional setting but I've not seen that guy and I mean I really felt like we were good like I mean I think we were good friends 
but it's just like, and I had opportunities and I still do. When I go back, I could reach out to him, but it's like, and he would be, he would be, I mean, I think he knows I'm sober and it would be fine. I don't know. It's just, it's just like, damn, this is what I have. You know, this, this relationship is based, was based on drinking and I don't know. So it's, 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 it's a shame, I guess, but. It's a shame. I think there's, you have the wins and you have the losses and what's going to serve you is going to stick and what isn't is going to fall away and then new shows up. I've, I've always found new has shown up somewhere or someone old has come out because I'm now talking about what I'm going through. And there's, there's, there was friendships where I never had a connection at all. And then someone reached out to me because I'm fairly loud about my sobriety and that's made someone feel comfortable enough because they know my story and I don't know theirs. And it's given them the courage to say, Hey, cause I had a, a, a friend do this and it wasn't, it was more of an acquaintance than anything else, but just say, Hey, I have a problem too. And kind of like what you were saying, Debs, his isn't the same as ours, but it, doesn't really matter. I've had someone come out and send me a message and say, I have mental health problems and your podcast is, is great. Just even for that, it's not even just for, you know, people with that are dealing with an addiction. It's just great to, you know, hear that hear this conversation. So, I mean, you never know, you never do. You don't ever know. And the reason I say that is, um, you know, I moved around a lot too, Julie, but I moved around like in the when I was at primary school and at um, high school was when I, and when I say, you know, my close friendships, I have two that is extremely close to me. I don't have a lot of immediate close friends, but I know a lot of people around the world because I've travelled a lot. And when I was in San Diego and I'd lived there, when I came out on Facebook and just said I was 20 months sober, I had my old boss that I worked out at a magazine with in San Diego contact me and a girl that I worked with at the magazine and they are both sober now and they only reached out to me to say, oh, my God, are you sober? And my best friend's husband, he turned around and said, if you can do it, yeah. I can do it. And that tells you something. Mm-hmm. Do you know what I mean? Because I was the party girl. I was the instigator. I was the one organising everything, always turned up with bottles in her hand, always a lunch queen. Mm-hmm. And that's what I was to this other girl who looked at me and thought, my God, who are you? They, I think they think that we're going to change. But what they don't understand, unless they spend time with us, is we're changing for the better. Mm-hmm. We're more present. We have better yeah. conversations. You know, we know that at the end of the day, we're going to be able to remember the time we've spent with you. Mm-hmm. You know, you can ring us and count on us at any given time. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I mean... And I do hold those close and near and dear to me. One of my girlfriends drinks a hell of a lot, but I'm not going to get rid of her just because of that. I couldn't. She's like a sister to me. I've known her since I was 13. Yeah. Yeah. And it's good. I mean, she gave me a birthday card for my 60th with a champagne bottle on it. And I thought, well, good for you because she's not treating me any different. And I don't want that. I don't want to be treated any different because this is who I am now. Just roll with it, you know. And I'm not oh, really yeah. any different anyway, I don't think. Yeah. Just a better version, like I said. Hey, Ben, you've got some pretty incredible stories about you and some friends. Um, yeah, I guess the the main thing that I would, I guess that I've shared with you all is that I, I've been 
fairly vocal and open this go around. I think, you know, I was just listening to one of your podcasts, Steve, when you said this is your first time quitting or trying to quit, right? I think you said, or saying you're mm-hmm. fourth, you know, it's like, yep. I don't even know what this is for me. Like I would say hundredth, I just keep saying hundredth, but the first time that I've just really been open and, and telling anybody that's worthy of me telling, you know, so, you know, listen to everything that you all just said. I think, Julie, you said that you're, you feel like it's hard to make friends and this day and age and but like how much time do we have you know like i don't have time for a lot of friends and quite honestly i mean this when we when people say like i'm a lucky alcoholic or whatever the terms are like this setting right here and then these zoom rooms and ias and all this stuff i mean i've made more friends than i quite honestly even need just organically in a in a year you know yeah. it's wild So I feel lucky that like my friends, I don't have a friend at this stage in my life where I feel like alcohol is the only reason that we're friends, that we don't have anything deeper. But like Brian said, I mean, everything that we did had drinking, you know, so the decisions that I've made, you know, we have the annual ski trip. I skipped that last year and then we've got the at the, an ice fishing trip i skipped that last year and then we had a camping trip dads with kids i skipped that this year and truth be told i have a hard time getting i can't ha- take endless time off of work anyway but i i made the decision to tell most of my friends especially like the ice fishing trip was the big one for me where i said you know i could call and i could blame it on COVID. i could blame it on the kids i could blame it on my work but quite honestly this is what i'm up to i'm not drinking anymore and going and hanging out with all of you up there ice fishing for three days sounds awful like there's nothing i'd rather do less than to just sit there and watch people drink and throw a hook in a circle of ice you know you know it's crazy right definitely a participation sport i mean i was just the guy that brought the guitar and fed the fire like i'd I'd have fun doing that but then when they come in like you know like you said deb's the it's conversation that i just don't want to have at that point you know and um i feel like I'm sure this is like forever improving something I have to just forever improve on, but I feel like sobriety has given me the ability to listen to people and just be kind, like to be present and be kind, but then just shut it down. You know, like I just don't, I just don't want to have those worthless conversations. I don't want to be rude to anybody. I just don't want to like entertain it and have it go on forever. So like going out to bars is just, to me sounds horrible and not even like tempted to drink horrible. I just don't want to be there. I just don't want to be there. It's, it's, empty. It is. it's, it's empty. And I think that if I was at a different age, you know, I'm trying to put myself in like my 25 year old self trying to do the same thing. I'd have such different anxiety over the fear of missing out of anything out, out there going on in life. But I don't have that right now. So like, I have plenty of friends and I just think that the couple outside of these zooms and stuff that I've made in real life have just been 
like the real friendships that I want to have. And then you come right mm-hmm. out of the gates. Like I've been playing music with a guy now, which has been fantastic. And like right out of the gates, first time he's like, you want a beer? I'm like, no, I don't drink. It was totally fine. You know? So it's mm-hmm. there. Step one, still wanting to hang out and all right, cool. Now he knows I don't drink. So. Yeah. I think the conversations is a big one for me. My standards of conversation have changed dramatically and I never, I used to be really bothered by gossip. Now I just won't stand for it. I can't stand it. I will. It just, it grates on me and I've spent enough time having very real conversations about very real things with some of the people that I've met in the recovery community. And it makes me realize how much that's the kind of conversation I crave. I don't love just sitting around listening to people talk for the sake of filling the silence. And it seems like a lot of times that's what you get when you're socializing is just everybody. And, you know, I think the big thing for me is the gossip. Just like, tell me your story. Tell me what happened last week with your dog. I want to hear that more than what you think about he said, she said about so-and-so's wife or whatever. And I, maybe that's a small town thing because I do live in a really small town, but it seems like 90% of the conversations, you know, if you get together for girls night or whatever, they'll all be drinking, which is fine. But then also just talking about everybody else and it's not generally good stuff. And I just can't even stand it anymore. I don't even want to go hang out anymore. I just, I expect better of myself now. Mm-hmm. And so I expect better of the people that I spend my time with too. Yeah. It's the, the conversation where you're too worried about what everybody else is doing. Doesn't get you anywhere. There's no benefit to it. I mean, you can only talk about the weather and politics for so long that gets you nowhere. It's just the value in the vulnerability of a conversation. It's the vulnerability. Yeah, you can talk about the weather and politics and all of that stuff forever. And that keeps it away from you and it keeps all the vulnerability out of the conversation, which means that you also have no chance of actually connecting if that's all you want to talk about. Yeah. And it's that small talk that everybody hates, right? It's a small talk. That's why we start drinking in the first place. I can't stand small talk. It's like just, just, you know, but then you get after a few drinks, you get involved in that rubbish where you just go along with it and you seem to have more tolerance and you get that sense of belonging. Isn't this great? But you're seeing it through such foggy glasses if you're an observer like we are now when you watch those people and it's like they said, watch people go for one, two and then into the third hour and that's the time to hit the door and get out of there because, man, oh, man, the way some people just go on and on about themselves too, it's just like, and I've experienced it lately, I thought I don't understand how one person could go on about themselves for three hours, which is what happened around a table at a party I was at and I just had to remove myself and go somewhere else. It was like the one person show. And, you know, I've always tried to be inclusive of everybody, but I was that people pleaser. I was the one that made sure everyone was having a good time. You know, made sure you had everything. Are you okay? Can I get you anything? And now I can't stand fussing. I cannot stand it. 
Mm -hmm. It drives me crazy. And I think now that we say what we mean and we mean what we say and our tolerance for anything less is just so much narrower than what mine used to be. I mean, I wasn't patient anyway. I have patience in a different way. It's like Benji said, you know, you can be kind and you can be present and you can be there for somebody, but people get a different vibe off us now. They really know we're there and we're really choosing to spend time with those people and they'll tell you how proud they are of you. And vice versa, you know, even if somebody's not got nothing to do with sobriety but they're doing something else, that's the sort of friendships that you want that people are, you know, truly saying something that's valid and they mean it, not just mm-hmm. blow and smoke up your ass, basically. You <laughs> Sorry, said something <laughs> You said something there too about that feeling of fitting in. And I think we all did so much of that. That was what our friendships were based on, was just feeling like we fit in with things. So we fit in with the conversation, we fit in with the drinking. And I feel like for me, a lot of the friendships that I had was just, they were just filling that need to feel like I fit in somewhere. And I guess once you start letting go of that and looking for places that you actually belong, you kind of, some of those friendships start falling away. Steve's nodding because I, I feel like I'm pretty mm. much quoting Brene Brown here, which I do in almost every episode. Mm. But there is, there's a big difference between fitting in and belonging. Right. And I think that a lot of us did a lot of things and had a lot of friendships just to feel like we fit in. I think a right. lot of us struggle with self-esteem issues and self-worth issues and fixed it that way. I drank to fit in. I got sober to belong. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And how often we hear, how often do we hear that, guys? But everybody that comes into the rooms and when we talk in a grander scale, I hear it all the time. So everybody was doing what we were doing that were the drinkers too. Yeah. What you just said, like the tolerance that we had for the conversation. Mm-hmm. I guess a couple things. I wrote down introvert, extrovert. I mean, I've been all over that and, and researching that. And Susan Kane is a good one to to see some of her writings, but um, it's such a misunderstood deal. You know, I've been in sales and been, and I'm still in a position now in my work where I'm in front of people all day long. And, and I gen- genuinely don't mind the conversation. I am so through the roof introverted. Um, and I can feel it now, you know, like I think that I needed, like I needed that juice to, jump into the social setting for sure. And then you take that along with now I'm realizing like I've never, I've always enjoyed even back in college and I'm picturing being in a fraternity, everybody's going down to the bars or whatever. And and if even one other person wanted to sit on a couch and just chat, I'd still be doing all the same stuff and drinking just as much, but I just wanted to have a good conversation. You know, that's all that I wanted to have. So I'm, it's curious. I'd wonder how many hours of my life have I just drank to tolerate meaningless conversation? You know, like that would be a dread. I don't want to know. I don't want to know the number. I'm thinking about myself. But it is, it's just like, it's intolerable. (laughs) Yeah. It's, it's pretty wild. You know, I think, I, I think taking ourselves, I'm sitting here and thinking though, like taking ourselves out of who we are in the age bracket that we are. And, you know, I think it, this is a real problem, especially 
again, going back and picturing like in my 20s, if you're too shameful or whatever, or you're not cool enough to ad admit the truth of that you have a problem and you have no one to talk to and you feel like your friendships require this, you know, it's, that's a different animal. I feel lucky right now mm -hmm. to be sitting right where I am. And I went through all those years of struggle and unwillingness to tell anybody, but I just feel lucky. And I guess what helps, I guess one couple things that helped me continue to tell people, and I don't like go out of my way and, but just when it organically appears, I just have no problem saying it is, I think what you said, Brian, is you've only had positives, right? Right. I've only had extremely positive responses. So that just continues to, to get me to just tell people exactly where I'm at, you know? And I think that however I'm delivering it now, it's just different. So I've only had a couple of friends that be like, ah, you can have one. You know, I've only had that maybe twice in a year. So I'm clearly saying things differently. I'm not just like, oh, I'm, you know, quitting for health. Then they'd be all over me. So I don't, it's almost like you got to just practice it, you know? Mm-hmm. Should we have role plays? Should we do some role plays? That, no, I'm kidding. That, that would be fun. <laughs> yeah. Do you guys, do you guys, um, I mean, you, you, you've all pretty much answered this already, but I wanted to ask it anyway, just to like explicitly put it out there. Again, I'm not super social. I'm, I feel like I'm, I'm, I'm very much introverted as well, Ben. So it's not like I'm turning down opportunities left and right, but I will I will not go to certain even even during my longest sober stint when I got, you know, quote unquote comfortable with it. I, I'll still not put myself in certain situations just because not because of the intolerable conversation, although I like I, I don't know. I never I, I like I'm going to think about that now as well. But I more just just because I don't want to put my put myself at at risk. And I, I'm curious. And Debs, I actually I remember the very first time I met you, 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 you show up and you tell people at the beginning, hey, I'm here. If I disappear within, you know, n number of minutes, I'm gone. You know, I'm not going to say goodbye. When it's time for me to go, I'm out. You know, I'm here. Be happy that I'm here, but I'm not sticking around forever. Like, so I like that. But um, yeah, I don't know. I'm just kind of like, trying to ask a question that's just not coming out. Do, do, does anyone feel like just your your social interaction, you know, you're you're not as willing to just go do because because like you said julie what else is there to do besides go hang out at the bar or go drink um so i've definitely picked and chosen where i'm gonna go and 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 why if i don't feel like i'm gonna enjoy myself then there's a good chance like ben said you know the ice fishing or w whatever it is like it's just an alcohol-based event no I don't need to go there. It's, that's not a social interaction that I'm going to enjoy myself at, regardless of whether there's alcohol there or not. It's just like that is a place I'm not going to enjoy. I enjoyed it for the sole purpose of me getting hammered. That was yeah. it, right? After that, the people there were great when I was drinking, but it was still alcohol-based. So like, I don't need to be there. It took me a little bit to be like, do I want to? Or is it something I should do? Am I required to be there? Ooh. No. Do I want to really? You know what? Maybe this time I'm going to go and give it a try. 
I'm going to go and test those waters. And then when I go and test those waters, be like, no, I ain't doing that again. Right. (laughs) (laughs) Um, This is a good point you bring up, Steve, because you said very, very classy. Do I want to, do I want to go or do I need to go? Now -hmm. you are all facing Thanksgiving tomorrow, right? And I talked about this in the Zoom on Tuesday. Is it something that you want to do or is it something that you're all obligated to do? Because you're going to mix with people there and it's, again, alcohol-based in a lot of households. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I, th- I think that's where it comes to, okay, if it, feels like it's a, if it feels like it's an obligation, come prepared, test, test the waters out, and then, you know, have your exit plan or whatever that may be. Yep. Right? Yep. Yeah. Just like you said, you do, if you need to do the Irish exit, you do the Irish exit, right? That's just, you know, and I mean, everyone's going to have their own version of whatever that looks like. I think that we have to get really honest with ourselves and decide if it's something we think is a good place for us to be, if it's a place mm-hmm. we really want to be. And if the answer is no, we need to honor that and honor ourselves and just say, not today or not this time and be okay with that too. I don't think we should feel guilty for it either. We don't even have to explain why. If it's too much drinking, if it's just not the kind of people we want to hang out with right now, whatever it is, there's no point in forcing ourselves to do things we don't have to do just because we feel obligated. And really, most of the time, we're not going to be missed as much as we think we're going to be missed. I think that's the other thing. Like, people will invite you and they're like, please come. We're going to miss you if you're not there. And, you know, then you start feeling like, oh my gosh, I need to be there. And then you realize it'll be just fine. And they're going to have a wonderful time while I sit at home in my jammies with my tea and my dog. (laughs) And that's okay. And I think we have to give ourselves permission to do that. That's just honoring ourselves. Yeah. Yeah. So Ben, Debs, Brian, thank you for being here and having this conversation about friendships. They've obviously changed. I think really they're going to continue to change. Sobriety, I think, is the pathway to authentic friendship. When we're drinking, we rob ourselves and everybody else of who we really are. And it's not fair to anyone. We've given ourselves the opportunity to, to listen be kind, show compassion in a completely different way. And those friends that are still there and the friends from the past, they get to have that benefit of us being present. The value of conversation with vulnerability and maybe not having the tolerance for surface conversation anymore. I want to thank you guys so much for being here tonight and sharing your thoughts. Really appreciate you guys. We appreciate you. Thank you, guys. Thanks for having me. Thanks. Yeah, good to be here. We'd also like to thank our listeners for sharing space with us. Remember to subscribe or follow to keep getting new content. And if you have any comments or topic suggestions, email us at throughtheglassrecovery at gmail.com. We'll see you next time as we continue to explore life on the other side of alcohol.